Jefferson, from the very beginning, builds into the educational system the pursuit of medicine, right? And he wants to ensure that graduates have the capacity for exposure to uh, scientific medical training. That requires uh, human dissection. So Jefferson, from the, uh, the very last building he designs, which is completed after his death, is the anatomical theater, right? A dissection theater where the professor can demonstrate a full-body cadaver dissection uh, for the students. Now, it's really important because this is the front edge of, educa- of medical education, right? Uh, we have to keep in mind this is the early 19th century. Medicine uh, is not quite as developed as we might uh, uh, want to think it is, <laughs> right? There's some really crazy stuff that's still in the minds of the medical doctor at this period. Um, and so this is um, engaging in scientific medicine, evidence-based medicine. That's a really kind of remarkable and very, very progressive idea in this moment. Um, Jefferson also knows that it's totally inappropriate for a professor to dissect a cadaver on their dining room table in their pavilion. So by the way, this is going to need a space, <laughs> right? So he designs the anatomical theater. The anatomical theater stood right here. You can see that concrete block just uh, poking out through the mulch. That concrete block is the very center of the building that was the anatomical theater. The standing line would have been that the University of Virginia and MCV and lots of these other schools um, are dissecting felons. Turns out that's not the case, right? The numbers don't work. The majority of the people that are being uh, dissected uh, are um, recently deceased uh, enslaved African Americans. The university had a medical school uh, from its inception, and the building that was uh, intentionally constructed to house that was the medical amphitheater, uh, anatomical theater. Um, And it was quite common uh, for the study of medicine uh, in the first half of the 19th century to study on uh, corpses, human remains, um, and there was uh, only a few ways of obtaining that. There were no laws regulating it, and uh, uh, there was uh, quite a a business uh, in areas where there were medical schools, University of Virginia, uh, not an exception here, uh, that cadavers were obtained either legally or illegally and supplied to the medical students, to the doctors themselves. And there's very good evidence that that uh, occurred here at the university, uh, both uh, from an institutional point of view, uh, doctors uh, making arrangements with individuals and later with other educational institutions and other uh, uh, urban areas, uh, Baltimore, Richmond, uh, we know that cadavers were atta- obtained. Uh, so there was quite a business. Uh, most importantly, um, many of the cadavers obtained were uh, poor. Uh, they were African American predominantly, although not exclusively. Um, and it was uh, uh, the, the uh, body snatchers. Uh, generally targeted those communities uh, to obtain uh, their subjects, as they called them. Uh, And there was a brisk business. Um, We know for a fact uh, that at the university and at other medical institutions in in the Commonwealth that uh, the medical assistant was also African-American. At the university here, there was an individual named Anatomical Lewis who assisted 
the surgeons and uh, uh, provided uh, assistance both in the class and then also helping students later on. And uh, those individuals uh, frequently suffered uh, from their associations with this kind of work uh, both uh, in the white community, how the students uh, and the white community perceive them, but also in the African-American community as well. Uh, there are a few early accounts uh, where students are um, in conflict with local plantation owners because they have trespassed on that plantation owner's property and are exhuming a recently deceased African-American so that they can complete their coursework by demonstrating a full-body dissection. And so in the earliest years, the students are actually going out and uh, providing for themselves these cadavers by exhuming them. Um, a few years ago, we came across a cache of letters uh, by Professor Davis uh, in which he is involved in setting up an um, institutionally supported provision of cadavers. Uh, the source are graveyards in Richmond, and these bodies are being exhumed by people called resurrectionists. And so the way this works is that um, the University of Virginia, via uh, Davis, is setting up a system in which we're paying uh, resurrectionists in Richmond to go, basically to hover around the edges of the free black and the enslaved black uh, communities, uh, figure out when a burial has happened, exhume the body, pack the body in a barrel, probably with some sawdust for short-term preservation, get that to the train station in Richmond, whereby that, that body or groups of bodies are then brought to Charlottesville. And a man by the name of Anatomical Lewis who lives in the yard of Pavilion 7. He lives in a shack in uh, the yard of Pavilion 7. It is his job to go uh, recover the bodies from the train station and prepare them for the students for dissection. Uh, after dissection, it's also his job to clean up the room. We also know that according to um, African-American uh, oral history, that this uh, is tied directly to the extension of slavery from life also then into death, perpetual slavery. Uh, we also have to assume that anatomical Lewis, at some point in his life, is preparing for dissection the body of someone he knew. Let me also, just in closing in this section, keep in mind that this is not just the University of Virginia that's doing this, right? This is also true of the University of Pennsylvania, MCV. This is, this is commonplace. Richmond is a core source of those cadavers for lots of medical schools because it's a big city.